Hey everyone, welcome to This Is Not A Podcast. My name is Bobby Hundreds, and I swore I would never make a podcast. As the co-founder of The Hundreds, a men's streetwear brand that's been selling worldwide for over 16 years, I figured, is there anything left for me to say? But here we are. After publishing my first memoir and reflecting on my own experiences of building a business, my personal and financial struggles and successes, I realized there was more to talk about, maybe not just from my perspective. The best part is, I still get to say, I don't have a podcast. This is just a curious audio thing where you get to meet cool, interesting people. You're listening to This Is Not A Podcast. On today's show, I can't wait to sit down with one of my favorite people. Not just a good friend or a work peer, but someone I genuinely respect and admire for her unique perspective on life, career, and hustle. When I think about what the future of emotionally intelligent, resourceful, and capable leaders looks like, my mind races first to Jesse Andrews. Jesse is a young 27 years old, but has lived many lives. Her first breakthrough was in porn, starring in her first adult film in her native Florida, days after turning 18. She was an immediate industry darling, but soon transitioned into DJing and then being an entrepreneur. Jesse started making jewelry out of the same apartment where she was filming videos. I've done probably the lowest job in the entire world. Yeah. You know, and I've come so far from there. Her brand, Bagatiba, became a fashion sensation, which then parlayed into three more brands. She did it all on her own, with sheer grit and resilience under her fingernails. So you'd think that Jesse Andrews would be carrying the flag for this entrepreneurial generation, espousing the benefits of a singular and independent career. But Jesse's been there and done that, and she now acknowledges the limitations of a selfish journey. Her next challenge is being able to grow at a multiple, not just in profits, but in personal development, with the aid of a team. She's ready to collaborate and cooperate, and foresees that the real future doesn't belong to the soloists, but to those who know how to build and cultivate relationships. Let's get to it. Here's Jesse Andrews. Okay, so let's backtrack just a tiny bit to when you... (laughs) We're starting Pagatiba. Mm-hmm. So for those who are listening and don't really know, Jesse is an accomplished entrepreneur on multiple scales and levels. And as of this point, you have, as far as serious brands that are up and running yeah. and working for you, there's four of them? There's four. And okay. then I have a studio. And you have a studio. And a which is charity a, org. And charity a charity org. org. Which these are each jobs in themselves. Right. Somehow you're doing it not, it's, somehow you're doing it almost on your own. Yeah. yeah. One employee, but I think a small team is almost better. Right. Because yeah. you're more nimble that way. Yeah. We're both. Less overhead. My assistant Jess and I, we're both like pocket knives. We can do tons of different jobs. So we don't, I don't hold her to like one thing. Like yeah. if she needs to photo assist me one day, she does. If she needs to answer emails, customer service, she does. If she needs to do you know, running to get production or like doing research for me. Like she kind of does everything. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to, it's nice to have a first employee and learn how to delegate and teach somebody else on your team. Yeah. And she's kind of just like, I was like, if you don't know how to do it, figure it out and then yeah. come to me. Don't come to me with a problem. Come to me with a problem and an answer. And then yeah. I'll tell you, yeah, that's a great idea or no, this is how you should do it. How did you learn how to manage like that? 
it took me five years of doing business and not hiring anybody and then deciding that I needed to work with other people and not outsource because everything else I outsource like production and um, like marketing. Like I don't, I don't like the ideas of bodies in an office just because I think people work better when they're on their own. And I think certain people are good at exactly what they do. So like my Facebook guy just does Facebook. My Google guy just does Google. I don't want a marketing team that's going to do all of it. I want somebody who's good at exactly what they're going to do. So outsourcing, I'm able to do that. A lot of people that are brand owners that have to become bosses and delegate don't yeah. know how to do it. Right, they, right, They right. can get like super angry or they can create yeah. like a That's a, drama a real or skill and gift and talent. Yeah, it's, it's like a happy medium that you have to find from being a boss. But I think that's going to help me in the long run, hiring more people and working with other people. Working with bigger teams and working and yeah. hiring bigger teams. Yeah. And you also have to make your job fun. Like I love coming here because it, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Your, your office, it feels like a museum and there's like <laughs> games and like so many cool people and like you're cool to hang out with. And I think that ties into it too. Like you want to have a beautiful space for somebody to come to work. And like, mm. yeah, it's all about the we lifestyle. We spend too. so much more. I spend so much more of my life here than anywhere else. I'm married and I have two children, but I hang out with, for example, Andrew, who's sitting to the right of us, <laughs> engineering the audio here. I hang out with him more than I hang right. out with my own family. So we need to surround ourselves with people right. that we like and that we actually want to dedicate our lives to right. because this is really the majority of our life right. spent and working. I think it's it's a really good quality to have mm. is to realize like who in your life is making your life harder and who's pushing you to do better because yeah. if you have people in your life that you've been friends with your whole life and you're like, oh, I'm just, I kind of don't like that they do this and this, but I'm just friends with them because I've been friends with them forever. The second that you take that person out of your life and you realize how much stress they were causing you or how much, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. you have so much more free time and so much less thought in your mind of like being angry or mad or not wanting to do something because you didn't want to be around them. Or like imagine yeah. somebody at work is just like, a downer and you're like, I hate coming to work because like, th- I know this person's going to be there. Yeah. It's um, you definitely just, happened. It's communication. Like you have yeah. to tell them like, Hey, are you happy to be here? Yeah. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. And like, that's that. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's, communication is key for sure. Okay. So back to Bagatiba. I love <laughs> <Sorry>. this interview. <laughs> this is just so is vintage, right vintage now? Jesse also because you are a brilliant multitasker, but also you have multiple <laughs> ideas and yeah. conversations going on at the same time. Bagatiba, mm-hmm. you want to break down really quickly what Bagatiba right. is and then, and then talk about each brand. Okay, so Bagatiba, I've started in 2012. Mm-hmm. I started making jewelry. I had literally no, what I, no idea what I was doing. Um, it was before Instagram. I was posting things on Twitter and Tumblr. But why jewelry? And I, and I, was I remember downtown, I was there. Yeah. yeah, I remember you were living downtown <laughs> and then I would visit downtown. you and you were stringing together Yeah, you came jewelry. to my... Yeah. So I moved to LA when I was 19 and you shot me in my first apartment. Yeah. So you're pretty much the person that I've known the longest besides Spiegler. And then yeah. you came to my second apartment that I had a year later. And that's when I started making jewelry and I yeah. was making jewelry by hand, everything by hand in my loft. I made everything in my loft for five years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I was it's really crazy. Literally hand stamping craft bags and shooting iPhone photos on my wood desk. 
Like that is where Bagativa started. In your apartment where you're living. In my apartment. You would wake up. Yeah, I remember that little desk. You'd wake up in the morning. <laughs> let's say what time you start working at nine o'clock yeah. like anyone else I would. I would just like wake up and like make jewelry. And there was, was and, so and, and people have to know there was no one else there. It's not like no. you were working with a staff of people and you no. were, you had friends visiting. You would just sit in just your apartment sit, yeah. I'm morning till night. Yeah. You're, you are such a loner. And I would like yeah. work out and like do daily things. And then I'd come home and I'd like check the orders. And the first years of business, I definitely didn't have a customer service email. I probably didn't answer emails for the first four years. I was going to ask, did you have an alias? You just didn't have any customer service going on. I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) And I was DJing at the time too. So I'd leave for like a bunch of days and then I'd come back and people had ordered things. And then I would have to make a ton of things. Like in the middle of the night, I remember my computer screen would light up the desk that I was making jewelry on my hand. And I would have like calluses on my hands from the pliers in the middle of my palms it was insane after you just came back from a beast yeah, like, yeah i was like touring and yeah touring because you were a world famous dj at that oh, time thank you you were <laughs> you were precious. yeah 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 it was just like i was still building like a career djing and i didn't really know if i wanted to do it for a living and i was djing like house music so it wasn't as big as edm at the time um so i just I was doing that and it took so much out of me traveling and shooting took so much out of me. And at one point I was making jewelry, shooting and traveling DJ. And I was trying to do all things. Can we say how old you were at this time? I was probably 20 20 or 21. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like 2021. That's crazy. Yeah. So I just got so busy with jewelry. Like I went on tour for two weeks. I played Stereosonic Festival in Australia. And I remember being like, I'm going away for two weeks. How am I going to fulfill orders? And people are going to wait for two weeks for this. And I was just like, oh my God. And finally, like a merch guy who fulfilled like Skrillex and Phoenix's merch was like, let us just fulfill for you. And I ended up going with them and working with them for two years. And in that two year time, I was able to step back from like fulfilling and doing all that like admin stuff. And it gave me so much more freedom to create. And Uh in that time I really grew the brand. And then I got so much more into like shipping and like watching what was going on. And I realized like they were doing an awful job and that's when I got my studio, I had to just decide one day, like, am I going to go to another fulfillment center? Or am I going to look over this yeah. myself and create like an actual business? So I had to like buckle down and I got my studio. I hired Jess. I got the studio built out like printer, computer. Literally, I had no idea what I was doing either. This was like two and a half years ago. I was like, I'm about to set up my own like fulfillment center in studio and customer service, like all of these things. Like I had to figure it out in like two weeks. And then at that point I was like, Jess, you start two weeks earlier and just like learn the products and get familiar with the brands and stuff and just do work online and whatever, just do some like (laughs) slow work. And then you're going to come into the studio and everything will be ready for you. So I bought all the Uline bins, organized everything, labeled what, did everything. Did someone mentor you? No. Were you watching a YouTube tutorial, no. reading books? No. You're literally. Was, it was crazy. I was like in my own head. I was like, I think I know exactly what to do. And I just did it off of instinct, like how to organize things. And like. It was animal instincts. Survival. Just, literally. I was just like, what am I doing? This, this sounds crazy. And it I, does. And, People and, don't really realize that I, I literally had no idea and I had nobody else that had a brand that I could yeah, ask. And yeah. like, 
You know, oh, well, once thanks. you get so no, once you get so big, you don't yeah. want to ask any. Not that I was so big, but like I don't want to come to somebody else and be like, "Hey, can you help me with this? And can you do this?" I'm so self sufficient that I didn't want to lean on yeah. anybody else for it. So I called my warehouse up one day after I got everything ready in the studio, and I said, "I'm coming to pick up everything right now." Because I didn't want to give them wow. time for like anything to happen in between. I was like, stop the orders right now. I'm taking it I'm all taking back. everything. And I came with a U-Haul truck and I brought all my boxes. This is crazy. Two of my friends helped me like put all the boxes and bring it to my studio. And they're like, do you need help unpacking? I was like, no, leave me alone. And I stayed in my office for like a day and a half, like literally like through the night. And I organized everything, like every jewelry skew I put into like bins, every swim I had, I put into a bin, like. I set up the computer, the customer service. Like, I, at that time, I had also switched over from Big Cartel, which was an old server, to Shopify. So mm. I was learning a new server, and then I had to learn everything. Like, right. So that's an, that's an shipping. interesting point. It wasn't just the art and creative or the design and marketing. No, it's we're like talking. Structure. Jesse is both sides of the brain here. <laughs> Infrastructure. It was operations, insane, yeah. production. Things that I don't deal with, Ben does. Yeah. I have an entire other partner, another person whose brain is completely dedicated to that. But right. you, I don't know anything about our back. I, I think even Ben doesn't learning. necessarily understand all the back end operations. And that's why it's like yeah. infrastructure that I was so fascinated with learning. And because it was my business, I knew I needed to learn it anyways. Because if I needed to teach it to mm. someone else, I had to learn it. So even when Jess takes two weeks vacation, I do everything that she does. Like I'll go in and answer customer service emails and ship for her. And then I'll do it pretty quickly in the morning because I'm fast at it. And then I'll have the rest of the day to do what I want. But for me, it's so important to know all of those little like backend things because I don't have a team around me that's going to watch it. So it's, it was a lot for me. It took a lot of like brain power and a lot out of me to create the studio and the infrastructure in the studio. Yeah with Bagatiba and like basic was kind basic of is your swimwear basic brand. Swim, yeah. And yeah. basic had started like maybe six months before I moved everything out. So it was kind of like flourishing a little bit. Talk about the moment that you were doing Bagatiba. And then you said, I would like to also start a swimwear brand. It was really weird because Bagatiba was doing so well. And I was thinking about, I was taking these like selfies with Bagatiba of just like neck down of details of jewelry. And I was always wearing like a bralette or like a top or something like that. And I was like, what if I just started selling like the bralettes? And I did, and they did well. And I was like, I want Bagatiba to be its own thing. Like, I don't think I want to start selling lingerie or clothing through Bagatiba. I just yeah. want it to be jewelry. And then I had made some swim that I was going to put on Bagatiba too. And I sold it for a little while. So basic swim technically was in Bagatiba before as uh, a case study. And yeah. then it sold well. And I was like, okay, I want to make affordable swimwear. Like yeah. I wear super skimpy swimwear. Yeah. Like I'm not wearing the crazy strappy things and like all the crazy stuff. I just want like a very basic skimpy swimwear that's like affordable that I can buy a new color every month if I want and not have to spend like $200 on a bikini. So the concept was um, like super affordable, like cheeky swimwear Yeah, that was like very basic. And it was an immediate success. I felt like there was yeah. a lot of celebrity placement. Yeah. I had got it. A girlfriend of mine was like, working with Kim and Kylie and all them. And she's like, Hey, we're going on vacation. I saw you just like launch this swim thing. And I had like a thousand followers and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to gift anything to anybody yet because I had never done any gifting for Bagatiba. Huh. So I was just like, 
what is this weird celebrity world and why am I giving things to people for free? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, I was yeah. running my own business. So I'd never given anything to anybody for free. Yeah. And I just shot it on myself and used myself as like the advocate for it. Um, so I gave it to them and Kylie wore it on vacation and then Teen Vogue wrote about it and a bunch of people wrote about it and it just kind of like started like building and then their stylist reached out to me to give it to like Kim and to give it to Courtney and Courtney was in it a bunch and Kendall's been in it and like Bella's been in it all the girls have been wow. in it but it's just like affordable cheeky swimwear that you wear on vacation like they're wearing their strappy ones with like full coverage for like some part of the day and then when they're tanning they're wearing mine and that's usually what you get people caught out in is like you know a skimpier swimwear and that's what creates headlines too so, so I now you have two brands going yeah. and then the third and the fourth come along. Yeah. So Bagatiba right. and basic. Yeah. At this point, I just wanted to make things that I wore and only wear things that I make. Mm. So I was like, you know, basics yeah. for me. I always wore like a white t-shirt button down trousers, like just very essential um, pieces. Yeah. So I started making them and the first line uh, the first like collection of Jou was like only black and white. This is Jou. This right. is Jou. Jou Elimite. Jou Elimite. Yeah. Yeah. And Jou is just like, it's like kind of my version of like a reformation or like something mm -hmm. that's like really affordable, but still feeling elevated. Mm -hmm. And it was all black and white. So it was like dresses, knitwear, um, pants. And then as Jou has grown, I've just developed more pieces like leather belts, bags. I did uh, sustainable denim and like everything that I drop now is just something I would still wear. So yeah. all the brands are very much an extension of myself. So. I was going to say at the end of the day, the brand is Jesse Andrews right. and these all work and exist within the ecosystem of Jesse Andrews. Right. And so, yeah, Jou is that. And then um, Patu is my SPF brand. Right. It's just one product though. Right. So I and trademarked this product um, and it's registered trademark. I honestly can't believe I got it because it's two very basic words, SPF and highlighter, but it's a product that gives you the illusion of makeup without wearing makeup and it's via the sun. <laughs> and how's that doing? That's relatively new. That's the it's newest new, brand. Yeah. yeah. It was, it launched it in September of last year and I'd been working on it for a year developing the formula and I'll probably never make another beauty product because it was like hell. Yeah. So that brings me to, I'm going to start psychoanalyzing you now. <laughs> Perfect. What was your childhood like that made you so vigilantly mm -hmm. independent, right? resourceful, right? Right. Like this all had to, in, th there's it's something had to have, somewhere. something had to have informed yeah. why at 20 and actually before that, because <laughs> you were working porn before that. So yeah. already you were so, yeah, I was so independent yeah <laughs> <laughs> if that could be a new word i mean my my parents have been divorced and remarried four times each to different people i'm yeah. the baby of four sisters and my dad is a handyman he does like anything from like tree work electrical air conditioning like anything okay so that handy, there's that that's where i get yeah. like he kind of raised me as a boy like yeah. I did sport, I played volleyball and soccer in school and I played like club volleyball and he kind of always treated me as like the boy he didn't have. So I would always go to work mm. with him and like I mowed lawns with him for a summer and like there's, I've been to so many air conditioning calls with him, electrical calls, like him just teaching me to be self-sufficient. 
was really important to me. So like when somebody's like, I need to hang this on the wall. I need to do this. I need to do a task like, rabbit. I'm like, no, I got this. Like when you, I did the build right. out, for you my don't know what task rabbit is. You don't use Fiverr. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know what they are. They're yeah. good for certain things that you can't do, but I think you're capable of anything if you want to be. Huh. So I love learning new thing. When I built out my pop-up, yeah. um, my friend Simon, who helped me build the displays because he has like an amazing workshop. And I was like, I know exactly what I need to do. I just need your workshop and your tools and your help to do them. And he was like, okay, cool. And like, he helped me install most of the stuff, but like just design and like fabricating the pieces. I was so hands-on. I was like, I'm not hiring anybody else to do this. Like I know exactly what I want to do. So my dad really taught me to be hands-on and very self-sufficient. And I think my mom worked a lot because she's a police dispatcher in Miami. So she worked, um, she worked nights. So I would come home and go to school in the morning and she'd be asleep like all day because she'd been working the night shift. And then when I'd like see her for either in the morning or for dinner or something, and then she'd like go to work. So it was like, you were a latchkey kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I had already moved out of my house at like 17 because I had a job and I didn't want to be told what to do. My mom's like, well, this is the overarching, overarching theme of Jesse's <laughs> right. life is she doesn't want anyone telling her what to do. Literally. That's why I work alone. I think I know better. <laughs> I mean, it's, I've proven myself right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they look at me now and they're like, man. So whatever. at 17, you said, I don't want to live under Anybody's this roof, rules. Any, anyone's <laughs> rules. I don't, so I don't want to live under your roof anymore. Yeah. And, so, and they were like, sure. Like go pay for your life. And you said, there's okay. money here in this venue and there's more money here than in any other venue. And that yeah. was the main motivator for you to enter porn was because it's so money easy- motivated. Yeah. I knew that money meant freedom. Wow. So essentially <laughs> I tried to make as much as possible because I knew how much freedom it would give me to do whatever I wanted. And told what to do. So at that time, your family was aware of what was what you were doing or were they? They didn't know um, in the beginning because I didn't live at home anymore and I wasn't really talking to them because I was just doing my own thing. And then um, I did a scene, the first scene I did. And then somebody from high school, because I was still in high school, somebody from high school found the scene and like posted it next to my Facebook page and like put it on 4chan and then like people found out. And then I got a, my mom got a call from the school and was like, we're withdrawing her from school. She's missed too many school days in air quotes. And I was like, good. I didn't want to go to school anyways. You were 18 at that point. Yeah, I was 18. You just turned 18. Yeah. I was just right. turned 18. I shot like a week after I turned 18. Going back to when your family found out, what was the reaction? what they say? My dad called me first and he was like, Hey, I heard some things like, I just wanted to make sure that you're okay. And like, no matter, I love you no matter what, like whatever you choose to do in life, I love you no matter what. Wow. I was like, I did not expect that. I didn't expect that. <laughs> but they also like had no control over me anyways. Like they can only bless me with like well being. Whereas like a lot no, of people's no, family are they just can't like, only, there were many other doing? options than that. That's, that's know. usually the last option the you hear logical about. logical option. If you still want to be close with your family. Like they but like, I feel like some family members in other families and with different girls would say, we yes. don't want you a I part mean, of the family or we don't want any association yes. with you anymore. But, but I think that, that that's amazing. I think that most girls that get into porn have like a really harsh upbringing or like abusive parents or like, or stripper, like there's always like something underlying. Whereas I had like a really, I think really good childhood growing up. Like nothing ever happened to me like that. And I, I chose the career more off of like a, a financial decision rather than like a desire to be like sexual. Because yeah. for me, I'd had maybe 
sex with like a couple people before I started shooting. It wasn't, I wasn't like dating around or anything. I was just like very normal. Like I didn't watch porn. I didn't really know what it was. I have this theory, which I don't even think is too far off of a theory that in the next very, in the, in the very near future, Mm -hmm. everyone's everything will be exposed. And at that point there is no stigma distinction between Jesse Andrews who ran a career in porn and someone who has dedicated their life to watching porn or from benefiting from porn or have created, have recorded their own sex tapes and that's not that. So there, there really will not be much of a distinction. I think in, in the very near future anyways. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everyone's out to get somebody now. Yeah. Like, whether you're wearing shaming. something, yeah. if you're not friends with certain people or like you don't have, I don't know, like you're not friends with as many like diverse people or you, your brand doesn't appeal to like all kinds of different body types. And like everybody will come at you for anything because everybody has a voice now, which is amazing. But we just have to know that it, that's everybody's opinion. Right. And we don't have to abide by it or listen to it. We can... And we all have, we all carry our own sins and we all have our own skeletons in the closet. And that's why I think is an amazing and beautiful thing about you is that you've, you're very transparent Mm -hmm. and honest. Like, Hey, I was a porn star. This was, and it was a really important piece of my life and a beneficial piece of my life. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Totally. And so I think that creates a vulnerability with you and an honesty with you that makes people really appreciate you. They they know when they come to you, they're going to come without you passing judgment. judgment yeah. yeah. And I'm completely honest about everything. Like there's, yeah. for me, there's nothing to hide. Everything is already on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> everything <laughs> like literally, literally everything is on the internet. Yeah. But I think embracing your past and embracing the change and like using it for what you want to do now. And, you know, I may never work for a big company. I yeah. may never have that cosign, but for me, it's as long as I'm doing what I want in life, that's creating and, not being told what to do, (laughs) but that's why, that's why I want to work for a bigger company because I think I would enjoy having more structure and Mm. teaching myself how to work under rule or deadlines. It's like the last final challenge for you because you've proved for 27 years that you can do it on your own without structure, without rules, right? not living under anyone's roof. Right. And you did it. You've done it very well. And now you're saying, okay, what's the next step and what's the next challenge? The next challenge for me would be, can I do this all considering there are rules and boundaries now and I am accountable to someone and responsible to what someone else wants of me. Right. I think collaborating to me, like you're so different. You built brand off collaborating. I built a brand off of like my ideas and being like in my own little bubble of ideas. Whereas I want to get to a place where I can work with a team, but like an experienced team rather than like trying to work with people who I know don't know more than me. I want to, I want to learn from that. Like I want to be. This is so interesting. Yeah. I think it's and like. And it's so backwards from what everyone else is chasing right now. They yeah. may already work with a team or work for somebody and they want to get to a place where they're just right. in this selfish bubble. Right. But you've already done that and you know it's not necessarily exactly. fulfilling or the most successful or profitable. Right. You can make a lot more money and find a lot more success and happiness right. by working with a team. I just think, if, I think we would all be better if there was more people who are built like you. I mean, right? I think that's why I'm here in yeah. this world to like show people these different things that I've learned over my lifetime, like I've done probably the lowest job in the entire world, Yeah, you know, 
And I've come so far from there that in just yeah, a people, few years. Yeah. And people can do whatever they set their mind to. They just have to be passionate about it. And I feel like I don't have a role model or a mentor because I try to stay in my own little bubble. And it's the same as me not asking for help for anybody. I just want to figure out how to do it myself first. Yeah. And if I think that that's the right way and it works, then it is because whoever before me did the same exact thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, Jesse Andrews. Thank you. That's it for this episode. I'm your host, Bobby Hundreds. Our show was produced by Andrew London and edited by Rachel Kastner and Ivana Tucker. Music by Alexander Spitt. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.